It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Welcome into East Coast Bias. Brian Barron in for JJ once again this week. Of course, Raheem and House are here. Guys, how you doing? BB, living that best life on time, Brian Barrett. And we are on time with the stretch run of this NBA season. Scratch the surface a little bit last week. Let's get a little bit deeper this week, Dream. What do you say? Yeah, it's a really exciting time. I know Brian is really excited because this Boston Celtics are rolling, unlike my Philadelphia 76ers. But we're going to try to figure things out. We're going to just try to go through everything and let you guys what we what we think going into the second half of the season. Well, and it's been a busy week since the last time we talked, guys. We have Grant Williams getting into fights with the Miami Heat. You got Jimmy Butler getting suspended for a game. And we got Steve Kerr. Like, I'm feeling good right now, but Steve Kerr is going to be feeling awesome getting two years and $35 million. And now that that's an interesting situation. And I'm sure those guys, when I say those guys, I mean Spolster and Kerr, sent a thank you note to Monty Williams for somehow getting the contract he did in Detroit because... Now, like two guys that deserve a lot of money got those contracts. But this Golden State team, it's really interesting because they made this move, Raheem, where they put Clay Thompson on the bench. Since then, he's had a couple of 30-point games. He's had some outbursts. He's having he's had a six three-point game, a five three-point game. Curry's struggling a little bit as of late, but I don't expect that to hold up. But is this Golden State team, is are they live? Can they actually make a run? I mean, they're gonna have to do it coming out of the play-in tournament, but We've seen them make runs before, and it feels like they now have a rotation they're comfortable with. Look, this Golden State Warriors team has been rolling recently. I think they're 12 and 6 since Draymond Green came back last two weeks. 11th in offensive rating, 117 points per in the possessions, and they've really gotten better on defense. I mean, you put Brandon into the starting lineup, and you put Klay Thompson on the bench, and I think that's really helped things. But on Sunday night, they played the Denver Nuggets, and they were rolling. And Denver just, I mean, they came back and absolutely smoked this team. And that's their biggest competition. So if you have to go up against the Denver Nuggets, this team is not live. So I think they could, you know, make a, a nice playoff run. I think they can get to the second round. But I just don't see this team doing anything significant, unfortunately. Yeah, Brian. So I got to tell you, this this team is so mid. That's a 500 team right there. It's the Golden Mid Warriors. I'm so out on on, on them. Congratulations on the run that they've gone on. I understand how um, crucial the Warriors are to the national narrative. It's really good to be able to talk about Golden State with the dynasty that they've engineered, the mini dynasty, and Steph remains one of uh, the most beloved players in the entire league, but they're not any good. They're, they're, they are five. They, they on this uh, streak where they, where they won all these games. They went two and four against the teams that they are running up against in in the playoffs. The team like two and four against everybody above them, um, and then and then a loss to the Lakers as well. Their best win over that stretch is the one point win over Phoenix, where um, Kevin Durant made the fatal mistake of passing the ball to Bradley Beal for the um, game closing shot that would have won the game for Phoenix. I could tell you how that turned out. Uh, <laughs> but look, this, they, they can't defend. The problem with Golden State 
And part of this to me is they made that investment, that commitment to this core and it, and it, and it cost them. Like I admire the effort to try and, and maintain that nucleus. These guys have been through, through wars together. They got those rings together. They want to try and ride it all the way out. We've reached the logical conclusion. I regret that we're getting this amazing season out of Stephen Curry, and this is a 500 team. I, maybe they get in. I'm like, if they have to win two games in, in the play-in, I, I, I'm not there. Like, I think it's decent uh, um, kind of prospect, and we'll get to mismake the playoffs for them to miss the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. One of the interesting stats that I saw recently is that the Warriors after their loss against the Denver Nuggets the other day, they are now 3-15 and 15 against teams on a 50-plus win pace. So, I mean, th- this is a team who they're beating up on bottom-tier competition. So, I mean, if you look at the Western Conference, right now, the Golden State Warriors are ninth. Let's just say they get into the AFC. Do you really see them beating the Minnesota Timberwolves? Or do you see them beating the Oklahoma City Thunder? I just think we've reached a point in the NBA where these younger teams are ready to make the leap. And that comes with knocking off one of the older guards. Um, I mean, it's Mike Tyson beating up Larry Holmes. I think that's what we see in this postseason. But I do think their ceiling is ultimately the second one. Yeah, and one of the things I would say, Raheem, to that point on the stat is I almost threw up one of those three wins they had because, unfortunately, it was against the Celtics. So as somebody that roots for the Celtics, I do not want to see the Warriors make a run at all because the Warriors will beat the Celtics because for some inexplicable reason, the Celtics still can't beat the Warriors, even though they're the far superior team. But anyway, the other team now that has been playing well is the Milwaukee Bucks. And both you guys were super high on the Bucks last week. And the big turnaround is if you look at, they have that huge win against Minnesota when the pregame show, they were comparing Anthony Edwards to Jordan and calling Rudy Gobert the best defensive player of all time, which was ridiculous. And I wanted just to watch the game. And then the Bucks go out there, they win. They're 3-0 since the All-Star break. If you look at it now, because over the All-Star break, it was kind of ugly and Doc deserves some of the criticism for some of the comments he made. But if you look at it, since Doc took over their seventh in defensive rating, they were 19th prior to Doc taking over. The big thing is teams aren't running on them anymore. They're actually getting back. Opponent fast break points, second during the stretch with Doc, they were 22nd before. And now, like, the offense wasn't great when Doc first started with the Bucks, but now over this last three-game stretch, and there's some bad competition in there, they've turned it on. They're, what, third in the NBA or fourth in the NBA during that stretch. And now I look at this Bucks team, it feels like, Raheem, this is a team that if you're looking for one of these other Eastern Conference teams to make a run, I know Damian Lillard is bored in Milwaukee, but it does feel like they're sort of, there is some chemistry there with those two. The only thing I would say is I get the defense has been better, is it going to be good enough to ultimately try to get out of the Eastern Conference? That would be my one concern with this team because I don't see them getting that much better on that end. But I guess the other thing is, hey, can their offense just be supercharged down the stretch of the season? Because I think we all thought that they were going to be this unbelievable offensive team. To their credit, like their numbers have been pretty good all season long, but it just feels like they're starting to come together in a way that they weren't prior to Doc getting there, Raheem. So the interesting thing is, even with Adrian Griffin at coach, even with Doc having his struggles, and even with, you know, this team not necessarily figuring it out, they're still third in the Eastern Conference at 38 and 21. So, I mean, we're talking about this team as if they're the Golden State Warriors and they have a chance to miss the playoffs, but they're still one of the best teams in the East. And Doc Rivers is still figuring it out. You mentioned how the defense is much better. You also mentioned how the offense has improved recently. I mean, you look at that game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. In that third quarter, they absolutely blitzed them. 36-13 to third quarter, and that game was over. The Minnesota Timberwolves are first in the Western Conference. So that tells you the ceiling that this Milwaukee Bucks team has. And I think, you know, this they got two months to the playoffs. The playoffs are, you know, in April, mid-April, May. They got two months to figure it out. And I think they're starting to figure it out. And I think Doc Rivers has given this team a well-needed structure. I think you'll see that Dame and Giannis pick and roll start to pick up. And I think they're the team to challenge your beloved Boston Celtics. As usual, Brian Barrett, me and the dream, seeing the world the same kind of way here. Our beloved pal Kevin O'Connor on TheRinger.com has a column up. You can check it out. Has Doc Rivers fixed the Bucks already? And you know what? 
pretty compelling case. Uh, you guys mentioned some of the improvement in defensive rating just over the past 15 games. They are fifth in defensive rating, and they've allowed the fourth fewest points in the paint over the past 13 games. That was a real bugaboo for them under the Adrian Griffin model. Now, to, to be fair, um, they did I, make impactful personnel changes or change singular by acquiring Pat Bev and getting Jay Crowder back, and that helps offset some of the Middleton stuff. But we don't even really have a fully healthy Middleton yet. Like, I think that this this team with Doc, he just came in. They needed an adult. They have an adult. And they know how to play. They And, and he knows how to maximize them, especially on defense. The, 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 the proof is in the paint. You know what I mean? Like, that stat, and that's what I expect to continue throughout. You want Giannis and, and, and uh, Lopez down there, rim protecting. And I, I just... I, I think it's Celtics uh, Bucks for the East, Eastern Conference final this year. Interesting. Now, one thing I just want to get off my chest real briefly on the Bucks is, and Giannis was so difficult for them to play a couple of years ago. It is going to be interesting to see how the Celtics match up if they play the Bucks in the series this or in the playoffs this year, just because of the fact that Grant, as weird as he is, he was one of the guys they used on him. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe Jalen Brown, they switch things up. Obviously, Al's going to get minutes on him, but he doesn't start. But the one thing I want to say about Giannis real briefly is we all agree he's now gotten two coaches fired in the past couple of months, right? And his brother has a roster spot, okay? They're paying that guy $2 million because he's Giannis's brother. Can we just acknowledge that Giannis is also a diva? Like he, he, like this whole idea of, oh, Giannis, he's the hardest working superstar in the NBA and all this stuff. The guy's a diva, okay? He completely controls their whole organization. Both things can be true. And and, and by the way, the $2 bucks they're playing their Pantanasis is absolutely worth the sizzle reel that you could find on Instagram of, of his basketball uh, mishaps, miscues. It's a genuine blooper reel. That's that's worth two million bucks right there, fellas. I don't even think he's a G-leaguer. When I was in school, I had a friend. Um, he played at UPenn. He was a two-star athlete. He ran track. He played basketball. And his ESPN scouting report said he's an athlete with no legitimate basketball skill. That's how I feel about <laughs> the Nazis. <laughs> All right, a lot more to get into. And speaking of the Eastern Conference, we'll get into some teams. Are we buying them or not? Are they true contenders? We'll get into that next. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Welcome back into East Coast Bias. Brian Barrett in for JJ. House and Raheem are here. So guys, we wanted to look at some of these teams that are we believing are they true contenders or not? So one of the teams is up for the first overall seat in the Western Conference, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not your normal team that would be a championship favorite because of the fact that they're all young. None of these guys have real experience in the postseason outside of Shea playing a couple of games. I get that. And they brought in Gordon Hayward, or at least the corpse of Gordon Hayward. But Raheem, are you believing that this Oklahoma City team that could very easily be the number one seed in the Western Conference, are they a true real contender that can win a championship? So on the surface, you look at this Oklahoma City team, they are one of two teams in the NBA, along with your Boston Celtics, who are top five in both offensive rating and defensive rating. Oklahoma City Thunder are third in offensive rating and fourth in defensive rating. And we all know that if you have a top five offense and a top five defense, 
that typically means that you're an NBA Finals contender. Since 1976, there's only been four teams which have won the title after having a regular season defensive rating that ranked outside of the top 10. That's the 2018 Warriors, 01 Lakers, and the 95 Rockets. So, I mean, this Oklahoma City team is in good company. However, you mentioned the fact that they are a young team, and there is no precedent for a young team winning. In addition, this Oklahoma City team is small. You look at them on defense. They can't rebound. They are 29th in defensive rebounding rate. They are 28th in offensive rebounding rate. So what is the NBA right now? You're seeing that this is a bigger league now. You look at the Minnesota Timberwolves. You look at the teams like the Los Angeles Lakers. You look at teams like the Denver Nuggets, the defending champions. Those teams are all big. And to me, the Oklahoma City Thunder do not match up with those bigger teams. And if you ask me, they're not playoff viable because of it. So I think this is a good regular season team. I think you can buy on SGA to win MVP. I think you can buy on this team to win their division. All of their regular season games, game by game. But as far as the playoffs, I am not buying it. Yeah, Brian, I'm with with Dream uh, on this. I, I did try and, you know, sit back and, and look at some of the historical precedents. And, and it was helped by um, Dream's former colleague, Matt Moore, over the Action Network, has up on his feed, his uh, ex-Twitter feed, the notion of that old Phil Jackson rule of, of you know, uh, separating the contenders from the pretenders. There is, uh, over the past 30 years, this indication, Phil Jackson says, if you got to get to 40 wins before you get to 20 losses, the 40-20 rule. And there's only three three teams right now that have got uh, that have made it. The Celtics, the Thunder, and the T-Wolves. Now, there are still three other teams that can do it. The Nuggets still can do it. The Cavs can do it. And the Clippers can do it. But over the past 30 years, there have only been three teams um, that that uh, won the NBA Finals and did not hit 40 before they got to, to 20. So I, I take I take Oklahoma City uh, uh, seriously. The the thing um, that I tried to think about was what about that 2012 version of Oklahoma City where they had, you know, the the the. Um, all those those youngsters, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook was a youngster. James Harden was a youngster. Kevin Durant was a youngster. They were 23, 22 years old. Serge Ibaka was 22 on that team. And that that's a, a version of a young team that folks were very impressed by, but were not ready to say this is a finals-ready team. Now, the difference between that 2012 Oklahoma City team and, and the Thunder this year is they had some vets. They had Derek Fisher on that team, 37 years old, but he was doing kind of, I think, a player coach kind of, kind of role, um, you know, a guy trusted in the locker room. They had Nazi Muhammad on that team. He was 34 years old, give or take. And Nick Collison um, was also on that team. So they had some. So that's uh, what I think this Thunder team was doing with the Gordon Hayward acquisition. But I think that they're like, uh, you know, win the second round, um, get to the to the conference maybe get to the conference finals but I, I don't have them making the nba finals this year yeah and remember too like the reason that the spurs drafted Kawhi leonard was because of that series against okc they were not athletic enough anymore they need to go out and get a guy and that obviously was an unbelievable pick for san antonio became the finals mvp i do like the plus 150 on fanduel for them to get the one seed just because of the fact that i could see denver taking it easy down the stretch of the season and minnesota who's up there too of course they have three games with Denver. So in one of the, in a couple of those games, Denver may want to send a message to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The one thing that concerns me about Minnesota, they're last in field goal attempts per game. So that would be something that would concern me going forward is their offense. But I'm with you. The, the thing about OKC, too, is, well, the best player in the league, they're probably the worst team in the playoffs to match up with them. As good as the Thunder are, who are you putting on Jokic? You, you're putting on a guy that needs to eat, like, I don't know, like, how many more pounds does he have to gain to be able to cover Jokic? So I would say that would be the problem there. I do like some of their stuff. Like, they have they have the most drives in the NBA. Shea's an absolute stud. But I just feel like this will be a learning process for them. Now, let's look at a team in the oh, heat. Interesting. Now on a five I, I, I want to go back real quick. Because if you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder team who went to the finals in 2012, you got to remember, they had heartbreaking losses the previous two years. They went to six with the world champion Los Angeles Lakers in 2008, 2009. And then the following year, they went to the Western Conference Finals. So if the Oklahoma City Thunder made a deep run, 
it would be absolutely unprecedented because this is not a team that's been to the postseason together. Right. And even the Warriors that won in 15, they lost the previous year to the Clippers in the first round in a seven game series. And of course, then they hired Steve Kerr to replace Mark Jackson and the rest is history there. So it'll be interesting to watch him in the postseason. But this is usually how it goes. You got to walk before you can run. And then there's the Miami team that's been running for years now. They just got sort of hang out during the regular season, but they've won five in a row. They went to Sacramento and beat the Kings without Jimmy Butler, without Tyler Hero. Bam has been awesome for them. One of the things I was looking at on FanDuel is Bam is plus 5,000 to win the Defensive Player of the Year, which to me, I can't believe that his odds are that long because I don't think he'll win it. But the fact that I feel like he's still the most underrated defensive player in the league. The Heat are 7.3 points per 100 better with him on the court defensively than off. Like Gobert, who's going to win the award, 3.6. And I get it. Gobert's got good defensive personnel around. But that number that Bam is at is ridiculous. You look at Duncan Robinson having the best year of his career. He's actually doing this thing, which is crazy. He's dribbling the ball. Like he actually puts the ball on the ground once in a while. He drives closeouts, gets to the basket. Jimmy Butler, I feel like he does this every regular season where his numbers look okay and he's over eight free throws a game. So once he gets into the postseason, he'll turn it up. And this whole idea of, hey, they missed out on Dame. Is it going to hurt them? Well, it really hasn't. Like this team has been really good. They're a versatile group. And the big thing to me, Raheem, is this. The reason I never count out the Heat is because A, they have Bam, B, they, or I should say A and B, they have Bam and Jimmy Butler. But maybe more importantly is if you go into any series, they have Eric Spolstra. And I've seen Eric Spolster, Raheem, outcoach some of the best coaches in the NBA. And I thought Brad Stevens was a really good coach. I did. And I think he was a really good coach. He ran circles around Brad Stevens in the bubble. There is no way that Heat team should have beaten the Celtics team on paper. And they were able to do that. So to me, the Heat are live in the Eastern Conference. I'm never going to count the Heat out. I think they could make a run. So first things first, I want to address the defensive player of the year with Bam. Because, I mean, he's 50 to 1 right now on FanDuel. Rudy Gobert is minus 750. One thing that's clear about this defensive player to year market is that it is a team war. You look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, they are first in defensive rating. But you look at Victor Wimbiana, he's not playing with anybody. And you look at his defensive metrics, the Spurs are 7.3 points per 100 possessions worse with him off of the floor. So if you ask me, Victor Wimbayama, he should be in that category for defensive player of the year, but it's a defensive team award. So no one is going to get it but Rudy Gobert because he's leading that team to first in defense. Now, when it comes to the Miami Heat, we know that this is their brand of basketball. They like to play possum. There's nothing that you can take from the regular season which will give you any indication of who they are during the postseason. But it appears that they've started to turn it on. Um, even with the suspensions after the New Orleans Pelicans game where you had Jimmy Butler and a couple of guys out, they still went in there and beat the Sacramento Kings as seven and a half point underdogs on Monday night and then came back the following night and beat the Portland Trailblazers. Now, obviously, the Trailblazers aren't, you know, a contender or anything like that, but this is a tough West Coast road trip and they've remained successful regardless. So this is a team you definitely have to watch out for. Spo is one of the best coaches in the league. And I know House already has some futures on the Miami Heat. Well, that you beat me to it. I, I, I have them all the way up in, in the 20 plus range to win the Eastern Conference. And really, it's just it's, it's a respect bet. Like, I'm not going to sit down and try and handicap the East and not have some exposure to the Heat. The numbers have flipped. Philly is now uh, 19 to 1 to win the East. Uh, Miami's all the way down to 14 to one, but you know, they're, 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 they've won nine of their last uh, 11, I think. And they're, they have rest advantage going uh, up against Denver. That's going to be really a really fun game tonight. Um, And, and then they, they finish off their, their trip with Utah who seems to be headed in the other direction. And the thing that's flipped a little bit for Miami is, is defense. They have a defensive uh, uh, sort of tightening, as um, they, they've gotten a little bit acclimated to what this personnel situation is going to be. But on on paper, there's no arguing. This is a better and deeper Miami Heat team than the one that went to the finals last year. I don't really think that's debatable. Terry Rozier um, in, in, in playoff mode, this is kind of the thing that Dream's been hitting at with Milwaukee. Wait till we see Dame with Giannis 
when they are in a series and they're able to exploit that. Well, I think the same thing is possible with this Miami team. Terry Rozier is is really a, a, a weapon um, with with uh, Jimmy Butler as the initiator and the instigator on offense. So I'm I'm just going to be content with my uh, my Heat, you know, future. I'm not going to do anything else with them. We'll see, you know, who they get matched up against in the first round of the playoffs. Um, if there's decent pricing with that, but otherwise, I mean, what 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 basis would you have for for discounting the Heat under any circumstances? You know what I mean, BB? Yeah, and the biggest respect I think that one of its rivals gave them is they literally went and traded for a seven foot three guy so they could get Bam off all their good players. That's how much they respect the Heat. That's how much the Heat slowed down their offense in the postseason for two consecutive Eastern Conference Finals. When of course they easily could have lost Game Seven. Two years ago, the Celtics, right? I mean, Jimmy Butler had that shot at the end. And last year, they did lose. So they went out and they got a seven-foot-three guy that's been obviously the cheat code for them. And I think that will ultimately be the difference if they play in the postseason this year. Okay, so let's get to the Suns. Because this, to me, this team, this they're fraudulent. So they have two coming up against the Rockets. But then their schedule gets really difficult. OKC, Denver, Toronto, who ever since the trading deadline, they were just running like crazy. At the Cavs, at the Celts, Charlotte, who stinks, but Milwaukee. I think they're going to drop out of the top six. They're minus 135 on FanDuel right now to make the play-in. So, and the Kings and Mavs are right behind them. And I also don't trust them in the postseason, right? Because think about this. Durant right now is starting to break down. February 10 games, he's 33.9% on threes and just 4.9 free throws a game. Pre-February, 44.9% on threes. Since January, I mentioned those free throw numbers, eight eight free throws per game pre-January, eighth in the NBA. Since the start of January, 4.3, which is 46 in the NBA. So he's gone from eighth to 46. And a couple of other things. I thought that game over the weekend against the Lakers, I don't think he played well. He was seven of 20. And I was watching that game. LeBron looked younger than Durant in that game. Like LeBron was dictating some of the pace for the Lakers, especially early on in that game when Davis wasn't doing much offensively part of that is some of the Lakers guys just don't give him the ball which is is aggravating when you have his over in that game in terms of his player prop but the other thing about Durant is this is if you look at his postseason resume the last couple of years two years ago I witnessed Tatum Tatum destroy him he was three of 18 when Tatum was the primary defender and at the beginning of last postseason Raheem Durant was awesome but then what happened games five and six against Denver he has 26 and 23, but he shot 18 of 43, 41.7%. So part of it is fatigue. But the other thing is this. There has now become this blueprint on Durant. Tatum roughed him up, and we saw Aaron Gordon rough him up. And if you sort of show help, you can kind of, he kind of gets a little nervous. And he almost, in the Celtics series, he started to think help was coming when it wasn't coming. I look at Durant, I just don't think he's the same level of postseason player that he was years ago when he was in Golden State and, of course, OKC. Raheem, if anything, like, and I know we can talk about Beal's health and all this, but I think Durant, like, I don't believe he's got, even if you go to the Clippers series, I think Kawhi would have outplayed him in that series. I just don't believe in Durant as a postseason player anymore. You're speaking music to my ears, and House knows this because I am not a Kevin Durant guy. I wasn't a Kevin Durant guy in his prime. I've always felt like in the postseason, you can rough this guy up, and if you don't put an all-NBA point guard next to him, like Steph Curry, and you force him to become a playmaker, he turns the ball over a ton. This is a guy who we know that he's like a seven-foot, long wingspan. He, he takes a lot of bad shots because for him, no shot is a bad shot. And you look at any other time outside of his time with Golden State, in the postseason, his numbers tend to plummet. So... I'm not really a big Kevin Durant guy, and we now know that he's outside of his prime. The best player on that team is Devin Booker, and then they traded a lot of their depth for Bradley Bill, who he can't stay out of the hospital. So this is a team who, <laughs> they're shaky defensively. They have an aging star. <laughs> like, I just don't see how this team goes anywhere. So, I mean, you mentioned the fact that they, you mentioned their play. They're playing odds. I think that's a that's a good um, bet right there. They are plus 390 to miss the postseason. I'm not sure if I'm going to go that far because there are some bad teams in the West. I think they do make the postseason, but I just don't see them doing anything once they get there. 
So I want to pick up on that point because I don't have anything to add. I absolutely positively do not believe in this Suns team for all the reasons you guys cited. They can't stop anybody. There is no team that I can see that they're able to slow down uh, in any capacity amongst the, 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 the top 10. So this play-in tournament in the West looks filthy. If, if we get Golden State, the L.A. Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, it's really like the OG, the passing of the guard. Look at all of those Hall of Famers in this Western Conference play-in tournament, and then it'll be, you know, maybe like Sacramento or, or New Orleans um, will be the fourth team in that, in that mix. Uh, I think I might dabble on that on that plus three ninety just because of the the their inability um, to, to to stop uh, teams. I I you I, I don't need to add anything further to the slander. I will say this: uh, if if anybody thinks that Bradley Beal is going to be playing come playoff time, let let's let's have a side let's have a side conversation about it. What happened to that? Seriously, what happened to that guy? Because for so many years he was healthy. He was playing like 82 games, 78 games. What happened to him? Like, it's all these soft tissue issues that he's been dealing with. And then he gets weird issues with his face. They've been like really good when he's on the court. But it's just, I don't know, the past couple of years. And he's not that old. He's what, 30? It's not like he's Kevin Durant or LeBron's age. BB, what happened to him? He got rich. That's what happened to him. <laughs> he got a, he got a, he got a super max. He, that, that dude played, you know, 90 of, of the, uh, uh, 164 games that that were over the two previous the last two seasons with Washington, and he's right on pace with this with this Suns team. Um, great dude. Don't don't mean to besmirch you know the, the the character, but you know he's getting paid all this money to nurse a hammy. That that's what he does. That's that's what his role is on the basketball team. Since the 2019 2020 season, he's only played 237 games. We're talking about five seasons. I mean, he's trying to have a competition with Kyrie Irving, I think, to see who can play in fewer games. Kyrie's been more durable than Bradley Beal this year, which is pretty amazing to think about. Yeah, no slander on Kyrie this year. Yeah, I mean, Bradley Beal makes Kyrie Irving look like Iron Man at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, a lot more to get into. We can pick up on this and hit a couple of more teams, whether they're contenders or not, and also get into some guys or some teams, rather, that may miss out on the playoffs. We'll get into that in just a little bit. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Welcome back into East Coast Bias. Brian Barron in for JJ with House and Raheem. All right, so picking up, guys, with some of these teams, are they real contenders or not? Let's go to the Eastern Conference to a team that is the number two seed, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have been really good. They had this incredible win against Dallas on Tuesday night. You got Max Strews hitting crazy shots, hitting five threes. I don't know what Dallas is doing defensively at the end of that fourth quarter there. But nonetheless, this Cavaliers team, it's interesting to me, the Mobley and Allen pairing, they have just a 113.5 offensive rating together, which would be 20th in the NBA. The defense is really good with those two guys on the court. Mitchell's been awesome for them. And Strews, I mentioned how he hit all these shots on Tuesday night. He's only shooting... 41.8% from the field, which is 139th of 144 qualifiers. And he's 138th in three-point percentage at 34.3%. Yet the offense has been good with him. And the other thing that I would mention is, okay, so they spent all their money to get a wing. I don't think that Struess can defend some of the premier wings. And 
He hasn't shot the ball well, which is obviously an issue for them. Garland has not had the best season as he's been banged up. The Mobley-Allen pairing, as great as it looks at times, I think it can be concerning in the postseason. And then the other thing that I can't get out of the back of my mind is the Knicks series last year. They gave up 18.2 second chance points per game. No team this year is north of 17. So I feel like you have real questions about does the roster even fit despite their record, the toughness level of this team. Donovan Mitchell, as great as he's playing and as great as his time spent in Cleveland, he could be out the door at the end of the season. He may ask for a trade. And you have another, you have a coach that not exactly the most experienced in the Eastern Conference compared to the rest of these guys. When I look at it, House, I just don't trust them. I really don't. I look at other teams that could threaten to win the East. We talked about Miami. The Knicks, if they're healthy, could certainly be one of those teams. We talk about the Bucks, And maybe I'm going to regret saying this. I don't take the Cavaliers seriously. Well, I think you're um, in the right frame of mind, BB. And, and the reason is twofold. You mentioned the coach, uh, and that has been something that ha- has had a-, a lot of us skeptical about them and, and you know, per- perhaps the only real um, ceiling. But they're 7-12 and 12 against Eastern Conference teams with winning records. Now, they are on the brink of the 40-20 rule. If they win their next two games and they have uh, road games at Chicago and Detroit, they will get to 40 wins before the 20 losses. So that means that they're a, a legit team. And we when their um, defensive rating is is as extraordinary as it is, you have to take them seriously. Um, they lose games when Donovan Mitchell can't play. They're only, they're six and five with him, uh, you know, um, when, when, when he's out. Um, but you know, the, the, the thing with, with the Cavs is, is, is the trust factor. And I just, I just can't get there dream. I can't get there with them. So I can't get there at all. Um, and this is so funny because I think they're the antithesis of the Miami heat, how we say the Miami heat, their regular season record and with their, their resume, it just doesn't, it's not going to show us what they're going to do in the postseason. You could say the same thing about this Cleveland Cavaliers team. And you look at the Cavaliers since the new year, they've been rolling 20 and five. They have the highest net rating in the league, plus 12.2 offensive rating of 120 defensive rating of 107. They're rolling, but how can you trust JB Bickerstaff? And look, last year in the postseason, they got outcoached by playoff fibs. And we know playoff fibs is typically not the guy. Like, this is a regular season head coach. So I, I look at it like this. You got the Cleveland Cavaliers. They played two bigs last year. <laughs> you played two bigs and you still got out-rebounded. So this is not a good defensive rebounding team. And then when you go into, you go under the hood, what do they do in the half court? They're 18th in half court offensive rating. However, they're second in tr- points in transition. So this is a team that they score a ton in transition but when the game slows down, as it did in the playoffs last year against the Knicks, this is not an offense that you can totally trust. So I'm not trusting this team. I'm not trusting the coach. They are 27-1 to to win the NBA title for a reason. Typically, when you see a team with this record, they're not 27-1. to FanDuel has this thing priced properly. What about the rest of the season? Would you take the Bucs at plus 150 to win the division? Or do you think the Cavs will hold on? Mm, that's a, I mean, that is actually a good bet because the Bucs... The Bucs right now, as the time we're recording, we're recording this on Wednesday, the Bucs are just one game behind. So I do think the Bucs can catch them. Did I confess I already have that ticket? I have Milwaukee winning that and, and, and not even as a, a good a price. I think I had it like plus 135. I might have to double down on the plus 150 now. That game last night, I mean, uh, the, the, the game against uh, uh, Dallas, if it comes down to that, I'm going to have some issues. I mean, if if that ends up being the decider between those two teams, it's it's going to be you know an all timer potentially. But I do think the Bucks are, are are you know kind of the the role that they're on is real, and I do think that they're going to catch the Cavs. BB, I like that plus one fifty. It seems like good value for a Bucks team that it seems like they're getting it together. Okay, so let's go to maybe the weirdest team in the NBA that's good, the New Orleans Pelicans. So this is fascinating to me because they're social media team is getting into it with analysts. They're putting out videos of analysts on their Twitter feed. By the way, I think New Orleans ended up losing the night they put that video out. But nonetheless, if you look at 
One of the amazing things about this team is if you look at their most used lineup that's played 350 minutes together, Valanchunas, McCollum, Ingram, Zion, and Herb Jones, they have a negative net rating. They've been outscored by 2.4 points per 100 possessions. Look across the league, these contenders. Denver's best group, 14.1 in the positive. The Wolves, plus point plus 9.9. The Bucks, plus 15.3. The Celtics, plus 13.8. Their best or their most used lineup has been outscored on the season. It's incredible. The Ingram-Zion thing has never made total sense. And they've actually been really good with both of them off the court, which again is bizarre because those are two guys that have made all-star teams in the past. Things that concern me, they're 18th and made threes per game. Now they are 8th in free throws, but 18th and made threes is not great. McCollum shot the ball well for them. He's over 42%. Herb Jones has on low volume. And Zion, when they actually give him the ball... He's been really good in terms of this whole point Zion thing. He's in the 81st percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. But I just feel like from a game to game basis, you don't really know what you're going to get. And I feel like that's difficult, Raheem, when you go into a postseason series and they have a, a very deep team. They have a lot of options. I just feel like maybe there needs to be like some consolidation with this team in the future, because I don't think they really have the identity that. I don't know if they want the identity they want is maybe the word the wrong way to say it, but they don't really have an identity to me. They're really talented, but I don't I don't really know. Like if you ask me, hey, what what are the Pelicans known for? I, w- I wouldn't be able to tell you like a bunch of other teams. I could like the Celtics. They're going to take a bunch of threes, right? Like I can tell you what a lot of other teams do. I, d- I don't know what the Pelicans do. I think you hit the, the nail on the head when it comes to the Pelicans. This is an inconsistent team who has no identity, whose stars don't match up with one another. I mean, you have Zion Williamson who can score in the paint at will, but can't shoot from the outside. And then you have Brandon Ingram, who's just a mid-range monster, who doesn't really shoot from the outside. So, like, the stars just don't fit, but it just feels like they're so deep and they're so stacked with talent that they get by on that. So, night to night, you just never know what you're going to get. I mean, you look at their records against teams below 500, 17 and 9. You look at the records against teams above 500, 18 and 15. So, this is a, a a good, solid team, but I just don't think that they have it all together to be able to do anything significant. Yeah, this is a team. It's just a true uh, enigma. Uh, and it is, you know, we, I, at least me, I had a bunch of future exposure to them last year, that 2022-2023 season where they arrived uh, on January the 1st with the best record in the Western Conference. I had uh, regular season wins for the for the Pelicans. I had all kinds of exposure with with, with them, and then they went on that that losing streak. Um, and you know the, the 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 thing with them, you guys both touched on it. I don't think they know who their best five is because we, you know, it feels like a constant chemistry experiment. Ever since we got excited by them in the 2021-2022 playoffs against the Suns, where they showed a toughness, they had a like a gritty identity. Um, now, part of that is because, you know, we haven't had extended health out of Zion uh, and Brandon Ingram's gotten dinged a couple times. But, um, you know, th- th- I don't know what, what to do with them. I expect to find them in, in the play-in. And it's a, it's a fl- flip of the coin as to whether or not they, they make it into play. I think they can beat all the teams that they will conf- uh, f- confront in the play-in. But I also could see them losing. So, uh, I don't know. They're just, they're just so bizarre. You look at, let's say, the in-season tournament. That game against the Lakers. What was that? Like, it's one of the biggest nights in, in the history of your franchise, and you just completely don't show up. So that's who the Pelicans are. You think they're turning the corner. You think they're about to make this big leap, and then they get blown out by the Lakers. I, I just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and one of the things that annoys me about them, Raheem, you alluded to it, is Brandon Ingram only takes 4.33s per game. I don't understand players like that. Go behind the three-point line. It's a much more, like, I've never understood that. In the playoffs, it's great if you can hit those shots because sometimes, we've seen it with Kawhi in the past, you're going to have to hit difficult twos. But during the regular season, you should be taking more threes. It never made sense to me when guys do stuff like that. And Brandon Ingram, he's just like this mid-range guy. Great. Well, you know what? The Suns and the Bucks, when they played in the finals a couple of years ago, they hit the same amount of threes, but the Bucks took way more, and the Bucks won the series. If Phoenix took more threes, maybe they would have had a better chance at winning the NBA title. But anyway, it's just math. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... 
Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. So how about some of these teams out there that you guys like not to make the playoffs in terms of right now, one team I'll throw out there is Sacramento. I'm going back on Sacramento. I faded them last week. I think they're going to go under their win total. So it's plus 225 to miss the playoffs. And the reason for this is just if they get into the play-in, I don't trust them with the other teams that are out there. And I know they've matched up well against the Warriors in the past, but if you look at it, I've said this on multiple occasions. I think Sabonis is the most overrated player in the NBA, despite all the triple doubles. You go back to the playoffs last season, they were outscored by 49 points with him on the court. They outscored the Warriors by 34 points when he was sitting on the bench, right? And I know that it's tough to do because his offense is so important to that team. But with Sabonis on the season, they're a plus 10, okay? They are better with Sabonis off the court than on the court this season. So if they get into the play-in, even if it's some of these teams that we've talked about that are older, I'm not taking them to beat the Suns, even though I'm not high on the Suns. I'm not taking them to even beat LeBron and the Lakers. The Warriors, I would have to think about, but I just think there's, even though it's a long shot at plus 225, Raheem, I just think there's some value there because of the fact that if they fall into that play-in, they're in jeopardy of losing in that situation. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I, I like. I honestly didn't even think of that one, but it's like when you look at the teams down there, the Dallas Mavericks are eighth. The Golden State Warriors are ninth. The Lakers are tenth. All of those teams have guys who are proven. And I'm not sure that you can trust the bonus. I like the Aaron Fox, but this team just does not have the defense this year to be able to do it. So I agree with that one. I think that's a good bet. I'm right there with you. Um, they can lose to all of those teams. And let's include the Pelicans because that's, the, you know, the, the, those are the, the five or six teams that are going to be right there. Uh, potentially in that in that play in um, situation, let's do that. I like that price. All right, you got one house, Raheem. One of you guys got one that you like. I wonder if we're me and Dream are on the same page. I'm gonna let you go first. All right. Well, I obviously have to fade the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I, th- I they they are uh, you know you have to look around a little bit to get a price because there is uncertainty in in the markets. But we have seen a price of plus five fifty for the Sixers to miss the playoffs. Now, the, the case for that is they have, and this is kudos to the Podfather. He shared it with some of us uh, this, this week. They have the uh, worst net rating in the entire NBA over the past 15 games. And so what our eyes are seeing in terms of inefficient offense and an inability to stop teams is borne out by what these um, stats are telling us. I think they are in the midst of a quiet tank. I think that there is no scenario under which Joel Embiid returns, tries to compete. It just doesn't make any sense. There, There is uh, n- no urgency for this team to bring him back in anything less than 110% kind of, of capacity and when in, in his entire career has Joel Embiid come back from a layoff and shown up in brilliant shape? I mean, the answer is, is never. And we're talking about after meniscus surgery. So his conditioning will be uh, an, an issue. And, and for the long-term planning of the Sixers, that was a really good acquisition, that Buddy Heald acquisition. And they have a bunch of moving pieces, moving parts, ways to get better in this offseason. Now, I think what the reason that they uh, that are, are not, you know, just saying to the world, throwing up their hands and saying we're out is, is out of respect for how good the team was with Joel all the way up to the point that, that he got hurt because that fan base really rallied around this team. They were so happy to get rid of that bum, James Harden. And I think they're trying to be respectful but they, they just don't have the dog. So I like very much the idea of the Sixers missing the playoffs, which opens the door for either the Bulls or, dare I say it, the Hawks. And both of those are really good numbers. So you stole the words out of my mouth. 
um, when it comes to the Sixers, but also the Bulls. I mean, we know about the Sixers already. They're 7-17 seven and 17 without Joel Embiid. They absolutely stink. They can't score. Last two weeks, 27 for offensive rate and 103 points for under possessions. I mean, taking us back to the 90s in terms of offense. Defense, they can't stop anybody. 20th in defensive rating in the last two weeks. So this is not a team that I expect to do anything. And the Sixers are free-falling so much that you have to wonder if Tyrese Maxey is even going to win the most improved player because, I mean, right now I know he is minus 340 to win the award, but if the Bulls can somehow sneak into the playoff picture, and right now they are plus 310 to make the postseason. They have they suffered a bad loss against the Detroit Pistons the other night, but they are ninth in the Eastern Conference. And if the Sixers slip into that play-in spot, either the Bulls or the Hawks are going to go get into the postseason. And I think the Bulls have a real chance of doing it. Alex Caruso, I mean, we know he's one of the best defenders in the league. I, I just like the way this team is playing right now. So I would take the, the Sixers to miss the postseason at plus 550 and then take the Bulls at plus 310. Welcome back into East Coast Bias. Brian Barrett in for JJ with House and Raheem. All right, guys, big game, of course, coming up on Thursday night. Chet versus Victor Wembenyama. Cannot wait for this one. I'm going to go Wemby over blocks just because I referenced earlier that OKC likes to drive the ball, so maybe that'll be the case. But nonetheless, it'll be a fun little game between Chet and, of course, Wemby, although Chet's got a lot more to play for. Yeah, Dream, I'm going to just do a simple Shea at least 31 points. I'm going to, that'll be my leg of a, a little SGP here. All he does is go score 30 points every single game. He loves that national stage. He needs to make a, 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 a statement for this MVP case that he's really, 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 uh, you know, making a nice, c- compelling run at. So uh, Shea over 31 is my uh, leg of it. I'm going to go over the total. I think it's 239 and a half on FanDuel Sportsbook right now. We know that the San Antonio Spurs don't defend. We know the Oklahoma City Thunder can light it up. I expect this to be a shootout. So let's go over. All right, and if you want to follow us on that, make sure to check it out at FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, guys, thanks for having me. JJ will be back in the saddle next week, fresh off his honeymoon. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem for 100 Gambler. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 100-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash Connecticut. 100-I'm with in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 